And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why are you putting me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me see it. And they brought one. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, the emperors. Jesus said to them, Give to the emperor the things that are the emperors, and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. Verses 38 to 44. As he taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honour at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers they will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them truly I tell you this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had all she had to live on this is the word of the Lord Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord God, we give thanks for your word this evening. We pray that it would dwell richly in our hearts through faith. For we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's wonderful to be with you this evening. I've decided to give you the answer before the, the, the end of the talk. Normally we get to the, at the end, I've sort of change things up and I'll tell you what the end is at the beginning and we'll see if that works instead. This evening we are talking about stewardship and I want you to remember two things. The first is that all good things are a gift from God and secondly the difference in the giving of gifts is in the transformed heart. Those are going to be our two thoughts for this evening. So we are thinking about stewardship, all that God 
has given to us and how we use those. That can and does include our money, but actually, in this service, we are thinking more broadly. We're not just thinking about that. We believe that God is equally invested into all parts of our lives. And so maybe for different people, there'll be different emphases this evening. But hopefully we will see that we should be fully committed into um, our spiritual life in all aspects of life. A little bit of a, a background to giving in the Old Testament. You have this uh, term called tithing, uh, a typical um, idea of the Old Testament. It was about giving a tenth of what you had. And also it wasn't a tenth. It wasn't any one tenth that you had. It wasn't the, first, the second, the fifth, the ninth, the tenth. It was a specific tenth. It was, in fact, the first tenth. The idea of giving of the first fruits was an idea that was put into the people of God. Give to God of the best that you have. As soon as you have something, be thankful for all that you have and give back to God out of the thankfulness that you have. Essentially, the people in the Old Testament were learning to rely on God. They were learning to be thankful for what they had and to acknowledge that actually trusting in God was the best thing to do. And actually, out of that sense of thankfulness, out of that sense of trust, they would walk with God ever closer. And as you read the Old Testament, you find times when the people of God were closer to God and they walked closer with him. And there were other times when they were less close and often with stark differences. But this is like a muscle. I think it needs to be practiced. Uh, and you get that sense in the Old Testament. When they were practicing being close with God and trusting with him, things were going well. And other times they wandered away, often with disastrous consequences. So by the time we get to Jesus, walking around amongst the people, they're familiar with this idea. The reading that we heard, they'd had centuries upon centuries to live this out. So they should have learned that God was trustworthy uh, and that trusting him brought them closer into relationship with him. The only problem in the reading that we heard is that doesn't seem to have happened. The Pharisees seem to have been interested in the detail, but not the heart. They had somehow managed to separate the heart of God, the, the training to be close to God and to lean into his goodness, and instead had become legalistic. As I said, trusting in God is like a muscle. It needs to be trained. And also it needs a variety of exercises. Anyone out there need the physio every so often? I, for the last good part of a decade, I've had shoulder reconstructions, spinal problems, all sorts. Uh, and I'm a frequenter of the physio. Um, 
what happens is that you'll often go maybe once a week, once a month, that you're told, you go along, these are the exercises you should do. And you're given, say, a month to, to do them, and then you come back to the physio. Um, guess what happens if you've not been very good at doing your exercises? Not very much. Um, but if you are diligent with your exercises and they seem to have paid dividend with you, guess what they do is they give you other ones. <laughs> uh, and actually, slowly over time, you build up the number of exercises that you do and you build up strength in different types of ways and hopefully you learn to live uh, more normally in your life. And I am um, an advocate of, of the physio exercises and various other things in my life to feel um, good about my body. And trusting God is the same. We can be told what to do and then come back a year later and have done nothing else and probably nothing's changed. But actually, we can actually invest in, in our spiritual lives. We have learned from Scripture. Scripture does tell us how we can get closer to God and actually the more we invest into it the more likely we're to invest in it in multiple different ways there's a little analogy of trusting in God is a bit like going to the physio back to our passage the the Pharisees wanted to trap Jesus um, and they used money because um, money is a really easy thing to sort of get um, in a twist, uh, and they thought they could um, catch him out. They asked the question, is it lawful to pay taxes? Should we be paying taxes? The great thing about this question is it didn't matter which way Jesus asked. Yeah, sure, pay taxes, or or you you like the occupier. No, don't pay taxes. Or should we send you off to the occupier and have you um, put in prison? Either way they could um, trip him up. So he doesn't answer in those ways. He says, whose face is on it? And is it God's face or is it a person's face? And they say, well, it's the emperor's face. And they say, well, give to the emperor what is the emperor's. It's it's an amazing answer, really. But what did we have at the beginning? Um, All good things are a gift from God. Do you get the sense that the money that they're paying for taxes, do they think that's a good thing from God in the way they've asked that question? Probably not. And the difference in giving is in the transformed heart. Do you think there's a transformed heart in the question that they're asking? It's just a tax to them. It's just some money despite the fact that this was actually going to the treasury, some of the treasury at this point was funding some of their work as well, though it was a lot being siphoned off. So you get that sense that there is nothing being transformed in their life and they're not looking to receive the goodness of God. They had managed to separate this idea of giving and keeping close to God. Somehow, they weren't seeing keeping close to God as being important in that moment. And so we, the passage goes on, and we see 
Um, The wealthy people are giving lots. And then uh, a widow comes and gives the little of what she can. And what happens? Jesus loves one of the offerings and despises the other. It's this amazing moment. It reminds me of the first offering that we see in the Bible. Back in Genesis 4, the Cain and Abel, you have two brothers who come and bring their offering, one of grain, one of animal. One seems acceptable to God and one seems not. And at that point, you're sort of saying, what was the difference apart from that they were different things? But one goes on to kill his brother out of jealousy and the other probably gave out of good motive. Right from the beginning of scripture, we see that a transformed heart is the only important thing and a giving out of a not transformed heart led to destruction. And as the chapters goes on, we get this system of giving designed to help the people to to be generous and to rely on God, to lean on him for all of their needs. Come the time of Jesus, or come our time for that matter, they can't just say, um, give 10%, kick back and relax, uh, and all will be well. That just um, wasn't how it was going to be. Instead, the good news has come to you. Jesus has come and he has offered all of himself. Every good thing has come from God. Freely you have received and freely give. I really like that we will be coming to communion later. The the last supper before uh, Jesus' death on the cross was Jesus bringing his disciples around him to show them that God was giving them everything, that there was no limit to what they had been given. And so we remember on a regular basis through that physical act of taking in of the bread and wine. So if we see all of life as a gift, we should not be dividing up life. Some that God can be involved in, others that we'd prefer him not to be. So has God entered into all parts of your life this evening? Has he transformed all of your life? Right at the beginning, the principles that we had, every good gift has come from God. You have received of that goodness. And to that, I'd add, so therefore, do you hold it lightly? Because it is God's in the first place. And secondly, the difference comes from the transformed heart. Of all that you do in life, do you do it out of a transformed heart for Jesus? Ultimately, if it doesn't come from that place, it's pretty futile. 
But actually, if it comes from the transformed heart, God will use it, God will transform it, God will multiply it. That's the God who we meet in Scripture. So this evening, do you live that transformed life? Do you know the gift that you have received? But also, are there areas you prefer to not let God into? Are there areas of life where you love to reflect the love of God, where you know it's your uh, natural strength? Or are there areas that you'd like to grow in? In a few, um, in a while's time, we're going to go around the room and there's going to be different areas of life to, to consider how we invest in the goodness of God that we have received. And I'll, uh, in a moment, pass back to Mark, but I'll just pray for us for a moment. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for every good gift that you have given to us. We're sorry when we hold on to the goodness that you have for us and for the world through us. Would you give us soft hearts? Would we not hold on to the goodness that you have through us for the world? And Lord God, would we know the difference that comes from having a transformed heart? Would we see all of the goodness that you have for the world in the way that you see it? We pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us, transforming our hearts so that we see the world as you see it. For we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.